0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me as always is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Nate Limpton, co-founder of Canacribs,
1: Grow House, and Grow Network. Nate, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Doing well. Doing well. I am had my coffee have my tea now because I'm a caffeine freak. I like to have all different variants. <laughs> but yeah, feeling good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. So I want to stay back
0: when you first got started in the space. Did you always think you wanted to be in the cannabis industry? Were there hesitations to kind of dive in? Take us back to that origin days when you first wanted to get into the space.
1: Yeah. You know, I think when I was like in college, I was like always... Uh, the best way I can put it is I was very drug friendly. Maybe is a good way to put it. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, I don't know. I didn't think of it as a career though. I just thought of it as like a lifestyle. Right. And, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna get into one of those careers that like, everyone tells you about when you're 13 You're a lawyer, a doctor, you know, or something. I was like, you know, I kind of took a lean towards like doing mathy things. I love spreadsheets and you know, I love calculations and figuring things out. So I ended up like kind of going the economics slash finance direction and, um, did an internship at Morgan Stanley. And I was like, bro, I hate this. Like I absolutely hate it. And then I was like, okay, I uh, obviously don't like this kind of like bureaucratic hierarchical structure. I want it to be a lot more free flowing. I probably need to like work in an industry that's like not as mature. And um, maybe I even have to work for myself eventually. So what's that process going to look like? Obviously, I should work for other people and, you know, get kind of bust my chops a little bit. So that's what I did. And I was like, the cannabis industry is probably the most interesting one because, you know, I think... I've heard a lot of people tell me, whether it was professors or mentors or family members that I respected, they're like, you know, yeah, it's important, you know, like maybe how much effort you put into things and maybe how lucky you are, how smart you are, all these things. But, you know, what really kind of matters too is making sure that you're riding a wave that's cresting. And I was like, cannabis seems like a wave that's cresting. Cannabis has always kind of been a little more hush-hush and a little under the radar.
0: How are you able to cultivate those relationships with these growers to allow you to kind of come in with
1: a camera and start filming some of these processes? So the first episode we ever filmed was at Glass House Farms with Graham Farrar and Kelly and Ash, a few other people that were out there that were business partners of his. And we got in the first episode because we were just like, hey, it's a concept, and we knew Graham. From you know, just doing business in um, on the equipment side, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, seems like a cool project." That's the kind of guy that Graham is. He's like down for anything. It's like, "Yeah, come on, bring bring a bunch of cameras. Yeah, I'll let you in the facility. We'll run around. Cool." Did that. We were not efficient at all. There was like a ten person team, still around ten people, and then it took us like literally like six to eight months to edit that episode, and then we launched it on YouTube, and we had no idea whether it was going like to do well or not, and Did pretty well, like picked up a lot of steam, got a lot of views, and we're like, cool. Nate, what is one factor
0: statistic about growing cannabis that would shock ninety percent of the cannabis industry?
1: I mean, here's two things that maybe this is more market dynamic based, but you know, I think the cost of production for cannabis, like it's going to be commoditized and it's going to be like a hundred bucks a pound in like probably ten years, something like that. Like it's it's going to be a commodity just like any other thing that you. Grow, you know, just like you think about grain or strawberries, people are buying futures on cannabis and, you know, things like that. Um, and, you know, another thing that I think in the market, like, I don't see in the next 10 years there's going to be any interstate commerce of cannabis, even if it goes federally legal. None? That's you something. don't see any? I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there might be like three states that would allow exportation, maybe importation, but the other like 47 states will be like, nah, we're not allowing that because. They've already built cannabis commissions to regulate the industry within their state and they get a lot of tax revenue and jobs from it. And as soon as you allow things to cross state borders, at least in a wholesale way, I don't mean like, oh yeah, you buy a joint in Cali and you drive to Arizona and it's like all of a sudden, you know you have the DEA rating or something. But what I mean is like, I don't think there's gonna be like a dispensary in Cali who wholesales 100 pounds to a dispensary in Arizona. That, for example is what I don't think is going to happen. Because, you know, Cali would have a pretty big advantage on growing cannabis over Arizona. And Arizona would see their cannabis market dry up pretty quickly, which would be a big hit to their tax revenue. So every rep and senator who wants to protect, you know, their budget would vote against that. What is your favorite strain? Ooh, Dreamwalker. So that's the best one. Yeah, uh, I just had the most pleasant and it's it's like so hard to find. These days there's so many strains. It's like if you smoke something once, like even just finding it again could, could be a mission, you know? Yeah. But I had this in Cali, like, yeah, probably like around five years ago. And it was just like literally, I smoked it and I was just like felt like I was like meditating for like three hours, you know. But like if you meditate in that like part where you get where you're like, okay, I'm in it, you know, like I'm in the zone right now. Like I just felt like that for like three hours. And I was like, this is dope, you know? So I like that one, but I also more of like a, you know, I'm more of like a nighttime smoker. Uh, so I more smoke, you know, kind of like when the seven to 8 PM kind of rolls around and that's usually when I do it. I'm usually not too good at being like productive and smoking or like daytime going out with the friends and smoking as much. Yeah. I mean, I go out, but I just don't talk, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah.
0: Who is an under the radar grower brand or strain that you think will explode over the next two
1: years? Dude, grower, my man Miles Sadowski. I gotta give that guy a shout out. I love that guy to death. He's a, a grower out here in Tucson, Arizona. Grows for Earth Healing. You know, he started Legacy Dude, like you know, blown out shit. Next thing you know, get thrown into the fire. You know, just like running a small facility out here in Arizona. Self-taught, like everything. Wicked smart, and now he just built out like 140,000 square foot like greenhouse on top of the indoor they're growing out here, and he just like everything he reads, he just absorbs and you just have a conversation with him. He's so casual. He's like my age. We both DJ and like hang out together just casually. But that guy is like, he's one of those guys that like is so humble. And then you have a conversation with him and he just like blows your mind. you know, right. So I love Miles. I think he should. He'll be doing big things in the future. He's just had two kids though, so he's probably pretty busy. And then cannabis brand that I think is gonna blow up. Well, you know, this isn't a brand in particular, but this is more of a trend. That I'm going to put out there, and some brands are jumping on this trend. But, uh, like for example, have you guys ever tried any of like the uh, kind of water soluble nano emulsified edibles? Yes. So those are becoming more and more popular. And what I do see in the future, I think, you know, if I were to like guess, is like I've seen some sodas come out where they're like trying to be like the alternative to White Claw, where it's like you know it comes on in 15 minutes and it's done in like an hour. So it's like you can take an edible and you're not high for like eight hours.
0: What is one takeaway you found through your experience that most growers or facilities are overlooking?
1: I think in California, not so much. But I think in a lot of other states, they're not doing testing in their plants for certain viruses. Hop-laden viroid, probably the most well-known and popular one. And uh, what happens when you have plants? And Plants can have like varying degrees of HLV. So it's not binary. It's not like you have it or you don't. It's like your plant can be kind of infected, medium infected, or super infected. But what can happen is if it's just barely infected, you're just like, man, you know, my yields are going down a little bit and my testing results on the cannabinoid side are going down. And like that's one of the indicators that you could have HLV along with a few other kind of morphological things in the plant. Since Mm -hmm. you've been in the cannabinoid industry, what has been the biggest misconception? Maybe that everyone's just killing it, like rolling in money every night. I think a lot of people assume that. I think there was like a study that came out that was like two-thirds of like cannabis businesses that have opened within the last five years are still not profitable. Yeah. And, you know, just because it's got the allure, like this black market appeal, where you're just like, you know, Pablo Escobar, your money. It's like, not like that. It's in
0: just another business. If you could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned
1: to pass on to the next generation... What would it be? A little bit of putting yourself outside of your comfort zone and just trying to start at the bottom if you really want to be somewhere. But make it known that you want to learn and you want to grow. Don't assume that other people are going to know that and that they're just going to like throw you on the back of their coattails and take you with them. Like say, like, look, down and put in the work, but I want to be constantly progressing and getting better. Cool. So Nate, for our listeners, they want to get
0: in touch. They want to learn more and they want to watch Canna Cribs. Where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So the YouTube channel is actually called Growers Network. Growershouse.com is the e-commerce site where we sell everything you need to grow cannabis. Growersnetwork.org is the forum. And they all have their social media channels and stuff like that. And then I have my own Instagram, NateJLipton. If you want to hit me up, I respond to DMs like 90% of the time, I'd say.
0: Cool. We'll link all those up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.